0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 36 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today, and hopefully all week, is Bubba of Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. Welcome to the show, Bubba Wheat. Thanks. It's uh, good to be here. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad I was finally able to get you on one of my shows. <laughs> I've been on yours, you know, so I figured... Why not? I can try and get you on mine one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So minute 36 begins with Neil and Dell having a discussion in the back of the truck and ends with Neil returning his wallet to his pocket. So Friday, we had the whole story with Owen showing up and deciding that he's going to be taking Neil and Dell to Stubbsville because they they actually want to get to a train station that It's a people train station as opposed to one that takes hog or cattle. (laughs) So the minute ended with them talking about how far it is to get to Stubbsville. So we we discussed one of the things last week about the fact that there is no Stubbsville. It's a completely fictitious place. Mm -hmm. And in the script itself, they also talk about the fact, I mean, in reality, there really isn't a train station in Wichita. You have to go to a nearby city known as Newton, which is about 25 miles away from Wichita. So, in the original script, it actually mentions Newton, it doesn't say anything about Stubbsville. So, I don't know why or how they came up with the idea to change it to Stubbsville,
1: but they did. <laughs> and yeah, I think it might have to do just with the fact that, you know, since they weren't really allowed to use any real life transportation companies that having this fictional town gives them, you know, another step removed from any actual train stations. Right.
0: Okay. That's, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's not that they weren't allowed to, it's just that nobody was willing to endorse them because of everything that happens about yeah. this movie. That That's more or less what it comes to. No, but like, for instance, they, they did, you know, theoretically use the Wichita um, airport. So if you're using a general airport obviously you know they changed the name of the the airline and here they're going to change the name of the train 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 company which we'll talk about and at the end of the week we'll talk about how the bus company changed they changed the name also i mean when you're talking about a specific carrier so it makes sense that they would change it but you don't have to change i i would think you don't have to change a place so i just find well, it interesting I, that yeah. they decided to change the name of. It. maybe it just sounds funnier Saying Stubbsville, you know the way that, that that Owen said it last week, Stubbsville instead of you know saying Newton or something like
1: that. Yeah, I did read that Dylan Baker did a lot of improvis- improvisation, so maybe he just he was the one that came up with that name as just like a random name that he thought sounded better as this character. It could be, it could be. I mean, later on in this minute, we actually will
0: see a sign that says Stubbsville. So you know, his improvisation, improvisation. I don't know if they would have been too happy if if you know I'd have to start changing signs and stuff like that because of that. So it seems to me that that it was something that was somewhat planned in order
1: to change it. But yeah, that, I think the other possibility is just you know, there there's not a lot of different train station or train companies.
0: Right. Right, that's true. But again, we're not talking about the train company, we're talking about the train station itself. So whatever. Doesn't really make a difference. So <laughs> The two of them are are in the back of this 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 uh, pickup truck, and basically Dell says he finishes his sentence from 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 Friday, where Neil asked him how much further it is, and he goes thirty miles, maybe forty. So I mean, as we said, Nor- Newton is twenty five miles away, so
1: it goes to show that that Dell clearly doesn't really know how far it is. You know, he's just guessing. It's you know yeah, I think he even says like seventy miles if he takes the back roads. Yeah, yeah. he continues
0: by going goes thirty miles, maybe forty, no more than forty five though, depending on which way he goes. If he goes the back roads, it could be anywhere up to seventy miles. So, <laughs> you know, he's, he's just showing that that it could be anything. I mean, driving seventy miles instead of twenty five miles is pretty strange. You know, you, you'd think that that Owen would want to get him there as fast as possible, not give him the scenic route like like Doobie did a few weeks ago. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is daylight as opposed to what Doobie did, you know, in the middle of the night by giving him uh, the scenic route to, because he's new to to Wichita. <laughs> Who knows? Now you see that while they're they're sitting in the back of the truck, all this hay is like flying on them. It just—it's very strange to me the direction that the hay is flying. It's like flying from Dell onto Neil. You know, you'd yeah. think you'd think that the that it would be coming from in front of them or in back of them or whatever, you know I mean? They're sitting backwards. So, you know, you think it would come from the the bed of the the truck itself. So it's just very strange. It looks like, I mean, when when you scrutinize this and look at it from a perspective of a minute by minute, it looks like someone just throwing hay on them. (laughs) You know, there's some guy on the side just throwing hay. Actually, you know what? If you look, wow, I didn't even notice this. If you look in the windshield, when that hay is moving, it looks like you might even see a hand that looks that might be throwing things. Do you see what I'm talking about? Is that possible? Or is that the hand is that Owen's hand inside the car? I'm not really sure. Who knows? Could be. So as they're doing this, Neil just closes his eyes to show that he is freezing. He is so cold. I mean, as you know, the the the, the movie goes back over and over to the same joke the whole time about the fact that Neil forgot his gloves when he was in New York because he didn't need them. And you know, we keep finding places where Neil actually needed his gloves.
1: Yeah, I've I've looked again, and uh, the hand I'm pretty sure is the passenger inside, not not a reflection. Oh,
0: okay, all right. It could be. It it looked very strange though. It it did look a little uh, suspicious because it does look like someone is just throwing that hay on them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then Neil sees a pair of gloves sitting in the hay and says, wow, he's able to finally get a pair of gloves. And he starts contemplating whether he wants to to grab them or not. And as he starts reaching towards them, a dog pops out from the hay. Now, (laughs) I I didn't think the hay was, was that deep. I mean, that dog was really buried very deep in this. And... You know, they, let's say they've been try, traveling for a few miles already. You know, they didn't notice something moving around. That The dog was was sleeping under. Maybe the dog was that cold also. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably um, like the dogs underneath a tarp, that, and then there's hay covering the tarp. Yeah,
0: it didn't seem that way, but that's possible. I think there's that's a tarp. I mean, it looks like a trapdoor type of thing, but. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean just you know, the way they filmed it. Right. There there might be some type of trapdoor or indentation. Right. right. That's true. Just to make it look taller, but in, in terms of how the like within in universe explanation, there's probably a blanket or a tarp right. that the dog was laying underneath the to, to stay warm. Right. And then a thin layer of hay over the top of it. And then he he
0: he saw Neil reaching for the gloves and decided to to bark at him now are you are you a dog person or not
1: uh not too much i mean i I don't mind dogs, but I'm generally more of a cat person
0: right okay well i'm I'm not a dog person at all. Everyone in my family wants to have a wants to get a dog except for me, and I refuse to allow them to get it because I know that if they get a dog, I'm the one who's gonna get stuck walking it I'm the one who's <laughs> gonna get stuck doing anything and if I don't want it, so you know. It's not going to happen because of that fact. My my brother had the same issue a few years ago. He's the only one who didn't want one, and and they eventually convinced him to get one, and he was stuck doing all the chores with the dog. And they ended up just getting rid of it in the end. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't thing. So I I did a little bit of research to find out what type of dog this is. Okay, so this is known as an Australian Cattle Dog. Okay, it was it which is a dog that that originated in Australia, and it was. It was bred as a herding dog in order to to drive cattle over long distances across rough terrain. Okay, they they usually have a white coat. That sorry, they're either brown or black, but most of them have a lot of white on them also, and it gives them a an appearance of looking either red or blue. All right, so I mean a little bit of the the history of of these of these dogs is that there was a man named Thomas Hall in during the 19th century in new South Wales, Australia, who was a cattle farmer who decided to cross different types of, of dogs. He crossed what were uh, the dogs used by drovers, which are with dingoes. Dingoes are, I think a type of wolf, right? If I remember correctly. And they ended up creating this breed known as Hall's healers because, you know, named after him. And these these dogs eventually led to two different types of modern breeds. One is right. known as the Australian Cattle Dog, and the other one is the Australian Stumpy Tail Cattle Dog. So they're, they're usually known as either a red heeler or a blue heeler. As we mentioned before, they usually have like a hue to them, uh, either red, reddish or bluish. And they... If they eventually brought them to America after World War II because there were a lot of soldiers who were stationed in in Australia during World War II, American soldiers, that decided to actually start bringing them back. And then a cattle rancher in uh, Napa, California, by the name of Greg uh, Lauer, L-O-U-G-H-E-R, who decided that he would actually import these type of dogs in order to use them to help uh, drive cattle in America. So I found that to be quite interesting, even though I'm not a dark person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then Neil, it's funny how Neil and Dell are both completely surprised by the fact that this dog, you know, they, they got into the back of this truck, they walked around, they put their bags down and everything. They didn't notice there was a dog there. And just when they want to actually take the gloves that's when, you know, things start really <laughs> going, going crazy for them. And Neil looks at Dell and Dell is just as surprised as him, the two of them. So it's it's pretty funny. Now, one of the things that I was reading about these dogs is, is that the reason that they were so good at driving cattle is that what they would do is they would nip at the heels of the various cattle in order to get them to move. And that's specifically what happens here, because because yeah. at a, then Neil starts screaming at the dog, "Give me the glove! Give me the glove!" And then he says he just nipped this little part, meaning this dog.
1: Yeah, and, and I and I love the way Steve Martin just yes. like twiddles his hands yeah. during that moment. Yeah,
0: but I I like the fact that they mention the fact that it's you know he nipped it because that's something that is. Very common with this type of dog. So they, they they apparently did their research also when they did this. Now we can also see the there's there's their luggage is strewn around the the back of the pickup. You, know, you can see a red toolbox also. You can see you can whenever we see the shots of of Neil and Dale you see you see a shotgun in in the back of the window behind them that Owen must take with him everywhere he goes. <laughs> You know, but, but you also see Dell's trunk and you see his blue sports bag also and stuff like that. So that's uh, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Then we get a shot of the truck speeding down the highway or down the road. So it's not a highway that they're going through. So I, I didn't check what routes take in order to get from Wichita to Newton or Stubbsville, whatever you want to call it at this point. But, you know, the fact that Dell mentions the fact that, that, if they would have taken, they can go the, the, the back roads and that would take up to 70 miles. So I wonder at this point if that means that that's what Owen decided to do because this does not look like a highway.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine that he's just the type of character that he seems to be, that he's more familiar with the back roads and he would rather not go on the highway. And also considering the shape of his truck. You know, maybe his truck rattles too much if it gets
0: uh, going too high
1: speeds. So he needs You're to right. keep it at low speeds. That
0: actually would make sense. And then uh, Dell screams at the dog, give him the goddamn glove. <laughs> and they see the two of them. Now, what's great is, is we, we see the, the truck going across the road, down the road. But we only hear Neil and Dell talking. So this must have been 80 yards in later. You know they have this little conversation where Neil says to Dell, "Are we there yet?" And Dell says, "Nope, a little way to go yet." <laughs> Beautiful country though, isn't it? <laughs> which which says a lot about the character of of Dell. You know that he is still, yeah, completely the, the eternal. You know, he is still looking at the fact. Well, you know, it's 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 still. A, we we get a nice view along the way. Why not? <laughs> so, at this point. The, they they continue down the road and then we we hear then we we hear uh Neil ask Dell, so what do you think the temperature is and the response is one <laughs> <laughs>
1: it it actually yeah, looks even colder than this, and <laughs> you know that yeah it, it definitely seems pretty cold out there and I, I think even at one degrees, they, there is a potential danger of them getting frostbite because with uh, the, them being in the back of the truck, that even if it's not, even if there's no direct wind chill, uh, just the wind chill from the truck, if it gets to be about below, uh, 15 below zero, that's when the you really start getting into the dangers of frostbite. If you're yeah. Outside, unprotected for long periods of time, like uh, I think about half an hour is uh, when you might start yeah, getting probably. signs of frost. But by. you know,
0: hey, it's only half hour, 30, forty minutes. Sorry, the thirty thirty miles, forty miles. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So then they 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 reach Stubbsville, and as they're turning into Stubbsville, we actually get to see a horse and buggy walking by or driving by, which shows that they're in Amish country. Or at least they're they're close to Amish country. So I always believed. I mean, I I grew up in in Michigan and we used to travel quite often between the, the East Coast and, and Michigan. So we drive a lot through Pennsylvania. So we would see a lot of Amish along the way.
1: But but I always yeah I you know I work at an arcade and in the Midwest and the you know I've worked in the Illinois Kentucky. Indiana area and I definitely had times whenever like Amish families would oh, would wow. actually come into the arcade that's interesting so i mean yeah cuz they i mean they would still be playing the the games but they would be like in you know oh, wow. full Amish
0: right so depth. i mean i always like with the bomb, right. and, I always thought and the that climate. the the Amish were, were almost entirely in Pennsylvania, and so I, I did a little bit of research and found out that that is not true at all. First of all, there is a quite a large Amish community in Kansas, which is obviously where we are. <laughs> so, first of all, I wanted to check what what the Amish are, like what you know, who the Amish are. So, what, what do you know about the Amish people?
1: Do yeah, you know I think that's actually... history. Um, you know I, I think there's actually a few different offshoots that that people mistake for Amish they they're they're all lumped in together in like the general consensus as being Amish but I think that there's actually two or three well there was an offshoot, like religious group they,
0: they, they originally started uh,
1: off together
0: and then there was an offshoot between them I mean it started yeah. it started off with the fact that they i mean the amish were were a group of traditionalist uh, christian church followers who were mostly in S- swiss german swiss switzerland germany that area and stuff like that and they they were they were mennonites and they're they're known for being uh, for people who who enjoy simple living plain dress and christian pacifism and they're very slow in adopting many of the conveniences of modern technology, which is something that you, that sets them quite apart from many other religious sects that 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 we know. So they were.
1: Yeah, I think the general the the general concept that that people think of Amish is that like they don't have any electricity, they um, don't have any motor vehicles, they prefer horse and buggies. But I believe I read that they actually do use yeah, electricity we'll, we'll, we'll to get there some in extent. I, have, I actually have, um,
0: have a, <laughs> I actually have a spreadsheet about that that I found about that. So first of all, the they they, <laughs> they moved to America because they were being persecuted in in Germany, and they 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 settled in. They're they're actually Amish in 31 different states, but two thirds of them. Are Are located in pennsylvania ohio and indiana most the 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 largest concentration of them they live in northeast uh, ohio about 75 miles south of cleveland and then you have the, the next group is in is a large group in northeastern indiana and then we have the settlements in lancaster pennsylvania which is the one that most people are more aware of i guess you can say unless you're you're living in that so Currently, there are more than 350,000 Amish uh, people in the US, and that number is always growing because they usually have very large families. Most families have an average of seven children, and their church member retention rate is approximately 80%. So they're constantly growing throughout that. So most of them came to Pennsylvania in the 18th century. So it was around it was the beginning of the 1700s when it happened. There were about 500 Amish people that immigrated to North America between 1717 and 1750. And then they, they started moving a little bit uh, further because of the French and Indian War, which you know caused a little bit of problems for them, especially since they're pacifists and wanted to stay as far away from the, the battles as possible. And they eventually settled in Lancaster County, which is where the core of their group came. And then about 100 years later, in the middle of the, the 19th century, another 1,500 arrived. And then they started spreading out to Ohio, Illinois, Iowa, southern Ontario. And then the, there was a split between them because they're they're among the, 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 the different, I guess, migrations or immigrations. So they, they had different views. And therefore, as you mentioned earlier, there are different sects. Of the Amish people and they do different things, you know, as, as you mentioned about their clothing. Mm-hmm. So most of the time they, the men wear solid colored shirts, broad-brimmed hats and suits that signify similarity so that they all look pretty much uh, like one another. They grow beards and when, after they get married, but they are forbidden to grow mustaches because the mustaches are seen by the Amish as being affiliated with the military. And since they're pacifists, they, they wanted to – I mean, I never knew that. I always saw pictures of Amish people or saw pe- Amish people without – Amish men, without mustaches, and I never knew the reason. So it's interesting that it has to do with the fact that they think that mustaches deal with the military. Not really sure why, but uh, okay. <laughs> the the, yeah. um, the women usually wear bonnets and aprons, and they have uh, prayer caps or bonnets. That, that the women wear, which are visual representative of, the, of their religious beliefs and promote unity through the t- tradition of every woman wearing one. Again, I think part of the whole idea of of, of their religion is that conformity, that everyone is pretty much the same. So, and uh, I mean, I can go on and on about all this stuff, but they talk about the fact that the color of the bonnet uh, is different whether the woman is married or single and they they're not allowed to wear jewelry. Not even wedding rings, and therefore if you you know if you have a different color bonnet that that that's what shows that you're married as opposed to anything else so you you mentioned before about the whole fact that that as as most people are aware, Amish people don't use electricity, so I found a a table that talks about the percentage of of people of of Amish people who use. Various types of electricity. So, there six percent of the population use tractors for field work as opposed to just using a regular plow. Okay, then you have twenty percent that use a roto, rototiller in order to help, uh, you know, with with their plowing. Then we have twenty five percent that will use a power lawnmower. Then you have thirty percent that use propane gas. 35% will use a bulk milk tank, 35% use a mechanical milker, 40% will use a mechanical refrigerator, 50% will use up, uh, pick, use pickup balers, 70% use uh, have uh, flushable toilets in their house, another 70% have running water or a bathtub in their house. Another 70% have tractors that they use for belt power. Another 70% have uh, pneumatic tools. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? Uh,
1: pneumatic mm. is like okay. air power. Like air 75% professor.
0: will use a chainsaw. 90% will use pressurized lamps since they don't use normal electricity. And 97% this, – this shocked me the most that I saw this – that they use motorized washing machines. You know, you'd think that that would be one of the things that they they wouldn't. Want to, yeah, that's that's really electricity. But I guess if, when you have seven kids, you need to use a lot of electricity, you know, or you need to do a lot of laundry. So, so in Kansas itself, in 1992, <laughs> yeah. there were 675 Amish people, and in 2021, there are 2,135 so that that number has grown exponentially over the course of the last thirty five years so what's what's interesting and I only thought about this after I did the research is that when you're looking at this I mean this movie was filmed in New York, so I didn't even check about new york <laughs> i was I was just checking Kansas, which is where they're <laughs> supposed to be so that that's all I have about the amish i think I think that was that was enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, one other thing that, that I noticed yes. about that is it has the orange triangle on the back of it to signify a slow-moving vehicle. And there was a public service announcement commercial that I was remember whenever I lived in Illinois that I thought was hilarious because it, it's about um, – I think it came on like towards the summer and the, it was, you know, warning about whenever you're driving, look out for slow-moving like farm vehicles that are on the road at this time. And you and the, the PSA specifically mentioned, you can tell these slow-moving vehicles because they have this triangular reflector on the back that <laughs> signifies that it's a slow-moving vehicle. And my thought is, yeah, it's the triangle on the back, not the fact that right. it's a giant piece <laughs> of lawn equipment, of
0: farm exactly. equipment a little, a little driving
1: buggy. down the highway. No, it's the reflector that yeah. that signifies that it's a slow moving vehicle. And it's not like I mean, I, I can understand at nighttime, but they're well apparently, they're not apparently be they are, but where are they gonna either. go? <laughs> because you don't to... <laughs> they're not
0: going out to bars as far as I know. So yeah, who knows. But you see, but the thing was is it's the reflector <laughs> that 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 pointed out to me that this was an Amish buggy. If they, if they wouldn't have had that reflector there, I wouldn't have even I probably wouldn't have even noticed it. It's what helped it stand yeah. out. So there, the mm-hmm. what I also checked was is where is the largest population of Amish in Kansas, and it's in a town known as Yoder, which is actually very close to Newton. So that actually that makes sense also, that you would find this this uh, Amish horse and buggy right nearby the uh, people train station. <laughs> Can you think of any movies that
1: deal with Amish people <laughs> or that have Amish people predominantly featured in them? I mean, r- really, the only one is is probably like the most famous one. And I haven't seen of it, but I haven't seen it, but I know of it. And that's Witness.
0: Right. OK, that's one. So the only other one that I could think of offhand was The Frisco Kid with John Wilder, where he's yeah. traveling from Pennsylvania all the way to San Francisco. And and he gets robbed and is found in... on in a, like a ditch by a whole bunch of Amish people. And he's he's a Hasidic rabbi from from Poland. And he sees them and thinks that he's also seeing a bunch of his own people there. And he runs to them and then he notices that they have a Bible with a cross on it. And he faints, mm-hmm. you know, because he starts speaking to them in Yiddish and they don't understand Yiddish because they know just German. So I, I always, thought, for me, being, being a religious Jew, it, it always, that, that scene always is very funny for me. The way that that that, that plays out.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so the, the the pickup then pulls into town, and we we get a nice long shot of the actual town itself. And as I mentioned earlier, we get to see some of the stores that are across the way from where they're pulling into, I guess the train station because we don't see this side of the road, but we see the other side of the road. So we can see three different stores. Across the way? Did you did you notice what any of them are called?
1: Um, I mean, Can I, you read I'm, it or not really? I think... I can't read the one. Uh, the other one is the Stubb'sville Auction House.
0: Yeah, so it's the Stubb'sville Auction House, which it does not look like a, a, real, um, a real sign. It looks like something they actually did just make up for the movie that <laughs> it says it's Stubb'sville. But it's still nice detail that they added that in you know you got you got the little gazebo in the middle so maybe 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 this was filmed you know in the same place as Groundhog Day who
1: knows
0: (laughs) and And then Sunbeam Bread yes very good Sunbeam Bread so I I actually had to look that up and it's a franchise of bread that they make uh, white bread rolls and other baked goods and it's owned by the Quality Bakers of America Corporation, Corporation or Corporation that's right. It's this corporation instead of corporation. And they, ha- they have regional bakeries all around the, the country. The brand was originally launched in 1942, and it was first marketed in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And the annual sales of their bread products as of 2021 is $400 million a year, which is just astounding to hear that type of number on that type of thing. And then the the third store there is a place that it just says Park Avenue. I tried figuring out what it was and I couldn't really figure it out because anything I, you know, any, any search <laughs> I did on Park Avenue brought me, brought me to yeah. New York City. So I, I wasn't able to figure out because I can't read the, the word underneath it. I think it might say Park Avenue discount, but I have absolutely no idea. That's just a guess. So the truck pulls in to, again, what looks like what, what is assumed to be, the train station and we get to see owen's wife holding the baby still and we see the dog pleasantly looking at both of both of our our heroes neil and and del in the back of this truck and then they 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 do a great job here because they they give us shots of all three of them in the back of the pickup truck and you know, first we see Dell, and he <laughs> looks completely frozen. You know, they have his his mustache and his eyebrows and his hat and his earmuffs. and everything is just covered in in little icicles or like little frost. bits of snow. Who knows? And frost, yeah. And he just looks like he's really freezing from that. And and the way that it's that almost like he John got Candy locked. <laughs> yeah, the way that John Candy's teeth are are sitting there is pretty funny. And then we get a shot of Neil, which also the same thing. He's got all this frost on him. His eyebrows are completely white. His, his hair, which Steve Martin's hair is always white, but it still looks pretty funny the way that it is because we're not used to seeing his eyebrows white, I guess. Maybe maybe that's what makes it even funnier. And he's, he's clenching his teeth also, and you can see that he's also freezing. And then the money shot is the next one where they show the dog
1: also just completely covered in frost. Yeah, that, that gives me a laugh, and, and you know, the dog and... is still snarling, and you know it gives the impression that exactly. he's just been snarling at them the entire way.
0: Yeah, completely. And we we see Del's trunk in the back, also covered with dust. We see Del's briefcase with with the bungee cord around it and stuff like that. And... So yeah, we, we know that their their
1: bags made. In I, I noticed that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you uh, can if, it was visible earlier, but uh, Dell locks his trunk with two padlocks. He's Not got three, three.
0: actually. There, well, in this in this shot, no, you, in this shot you can you can see two of them clearly. That, but there might be one. Right, there's a. Uh, right beforehand, we saw that there were three. Maybe he lost one along the way, or could it could be. just be the third in the shot. you right,
1: like it, it just it, hidden behind the the other two. Yeah, could be. Could be. Then we we get to see them
0: show up at the, the train station. We see a train pulling in. Neil is standing at the ticket counter, and he's pulling out his wallet. And Dell is standing there looking at the 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 train coming in. Now, did you notice that there's like a barrel behind Dell that is on fire? No, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Maybe that's just to keep people warm. I don't know, but it's just very strange that you'd have that. Maybe, it, you know, it's supposed to be like Hicksville <laughs> in Stubbsville. So, so that's what they do to let people stay warm or something like that. So it's, it's pretty funny. And then as the train moves, moves along, so Del starts to wave at the people on the train, which, again, says so much about his character. He's just an, an all-around friendly guy, saying hello to everybody, not caring what people are going to think or anything like that. And then we see Neil paying for the tickets And... Then Neil pulls out his wallet to pay, and then hands over a credit card, and then gets it back and puts it back into puts it back into into his pants. And then we get to hear the an extra say, saying to somebody bye, and at that point Neil turns around and getting ready to leave the, the the ticket stand or whatever it is, and that's pretty much how we end this minute. So, did you have anything else
1: you wanted to say about this minute? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well.
0: Okay, great. So, and every episode, I also talk about the differences in the in the script. So, there, there's only one discrepancy in this minute from the the script. In the original script, I mean, one of the things we talked about last week is that there was a big fight between, or an argument between Owen and Neil and Dell about letting his wife put stuff into the into the back of the, put, put their stuff back into the back of the pickup truck. And Owen also wanted his wife and kids to sit in the back and let them sit up front. So the only discrepancy here is that she's the one who goes over and easily lifts up the trunk and takes it out of the pickup. So it, it, it goes to show that that either the trunk is really, really light, which is probably not, what, not true, <laughs> or she really is as strong as he <laughs> says that she is. So yeah, that's all I have for for this minute. So every Monday we do a segment called Martin Monday, where my guest will give their top five performances of Steve Martin. So, oh Bubbly, what are your top five Steve Martin movies? Yeah, that, performances.
1: Yeah, this was actually a little bit more difficult because I realized that it that's the majority of my Steve Martin um, movie viewing has been back whenever I was a teenager. And I had a, a very long gap and, and I haven't seen much much from him until just recently whenever I started watching uh, Only, Murd- Only Murders in the Building.
0: Mm, I have yet to see that. I, I need to. Yeah, I, I
1: watched the first couple episodes. I really enjoyed it, but I just haven't found the time to get back to it yet because there there's always something else that you know distracts me from it but i i did really enjoy it and and i do want to finish the the season and uh he he um you know he's great in that as like a you know a failed actor or like an actor you know in the twilight of his career yeah yeah, I
0: definitely have um, that. All right. Yeah, so, what, so I, what are your top five? So let's start with your your bottom and
1: work your way up. Um, I think my bottom, well, you know, the the fifth out of the five exactly is exactly. the, the jerk. Um. Okay. You know that I, I think he just really embodies that character, and I think it's different. Slightly different than the type of character that he is more or less known for, and the type of character that he plays in this, where it, he kind of transitioned into the, the more exasperated character. Mm-hmm. And sure. this is just, you know, he just plays an idiot jerk. Yeah. Uh, All right. It's a lot of fun. Great. Um, number four? Number four would be the three amigos. Ooh, that that's a fun movie. Yeah, I, it's that's one that I I fondly remember from my childhood. Although I couldn't I couldn't really tell you much about the movie anymore, other than the and you, know, you know them doing the three amigos um chant.
0: Right, that's true.
1: <laughs> um i think my next one would be Roxanne oh i love Roxanne i think that's a, yeah. a, it's
0: almost a perfect movie because it's it's such a great adaptation
1: yeah i i think that the way he plays the character especially is what helps helps it so much and and again that is he's not playing the like the exasperated character like he is here um he's playing You know, someone like the the Cyrano Cyrano de Bergerac type -hmm. character. Yeah. Um, And then I think the next one up would be this one, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He just does... He's exasperated, but... The the more I thought about this movie, and especially whenever I was like looking into these these minutes in more detail, he is really a nice guy down at heart. Yeah, he
0: he has a great arc here.
1: Yeah, and you can see that throughout, mm-hmm. like it, even even in some of the earlier moments, just the the way he acts and the the decisions that he makes most of them come from a place of doing the right thing, doing the nice thing. Yeah. It's just, he gets fed up by the circumstances. Yeah. All right. And then I think my favorite is um, his character in baby mama.
0: Just this. I don't think I've ever even seen that. What is, what's baby mama?
1: Um, It's a, a fairly recent movie with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, where Amy Poehler, or Tina Fey wants to have a baby, and so she gets a surrogate. And Amy Pearl, Amy Poehler is like the white trash surrogate that she hires. It's actually funny trans- that I said I've
0: never, I, I didn't hear, it,
1: but I've seen it. <laughs>
0: I, I just forgot about it.
1: Yeah, and uh, Steve Martin plays like the the, the douche, the d bag, um, <laughs> like boss character with the like the very hippie vegan. Um, You know, or all about auras and stuff like that Like he rewards people with five minutes of direct eye contact Oh wow <laughs> And Maybe. just this new age You know, he's trying to find a location for his His uh, store That has a good That has good energy Oh wow, okay and he just plays this character so well, and and I love it. Just so for himself, but also so oblivious to everything else around him. Wow.
0: Right. I saw, I saw, I saw that movie uh, almost five years ago, so that, that's probably why I don't remember it,
1: because <laughs> I've seen thousands of movies since. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it again this year because you know, we went through a, a bunch of... Um, pregnancy related movies yeah, as makes sense. as my wife was pregnant yeah that makes sense all
0: right another segment that we do every day is known as off the beaten track where either my guest or myself will give a little adventure or misadventure some sort of anecdote of something that happened to them or me along the way through the journey of life so bubbly what have you what story would you like to tell us
1: well, it's it's not a super exciting story, but one thing that I always remember is we did take a lot of road trips whenever I was uh, a kid and I think whenever I was a young teenager. I have two older sisters and uh, you know, much older, about 10 years older almost. And uh, she was actually living in Arizona at the time and we were in central Illinois. And so over the summer we um, you know, me and my parents, we took a, a road trip to Arizona and, uh, you know, it was about a, um, you know, like, uh, Saturday through the next Sunday wow. uh, trip where we drove from Illinois to Arizona. So it was about three days there. And, you know, we spent... Two days, two or three days in Arizona, and then another three days wow. back. And
0: I used to complain that my parents would take me on a twelve-hour trip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow.
0: All right, cool. That is very good. So, Bubba Wheat, how would you? How can people get in touch with you?
1: Um, I, you know, the, I think the main place uh, where you can find all my stuff is at Twitter, where I'm at Bubba Wheat. And, you know, my main site's longest running site is still com, where I have written reviews of over 500 superhero and comic book movies. All right, very
0: cool. And to find me is quite simple also. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Bennett. You can find me on Twitter. You can go to our website. Or you can find me on Facebook. So, feel like I'm back again tomorrow, Bubba? Yeah, I think so. All right, excellent. So, until tomorrow, you're fine here.